Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1349, air date November 3rd, 2023. Hello, good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadurai. Uh, today, we're going to have a uh, discussion on why American youth want Shiva for president. And we have uh, Max Benia, who's a young man out in California. Um, we'll talk about his views on why the youth uh, want me to be president versus any of the other Zionist hoodlums who are currently running. In fact, every other candidate who's running is a Zionist. They're supported by the Zionist lobby and they do not represent um, any of the people. Um, we're gonna start uh, talk, uh, 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 talking about this very interesting poll uh, that came out, which none of the media really wants to talk about is this poll which is a CBS News poll. So, you know, it's done by one of the members of the swarm, but it came out about uh, a little more than a week ago. And you can see what it's saying. It's saying that, first of all, the majority of all Americans do not want to send weapons, military aid to Israel. So right there, 52%. Um, uh, nearly a majority of uh, males and over a majority of females. But you can see this group right here, under 30, nearly 60%, between 30 to 44 64% of Americans do not want to send weapons to Israel. Yet, as I said in this tweet here, um, what you'll find quite fascinating is over 50% of all Americans and um, 60 plus percent under 45 are against sending weapons military aid to Israel. Yet, US politicians, 100% loyal to Zionist hoodlums, bombing hospitals, keep sending weapons to Israel. I'm the only candidate for president We'll end this. So clearly, um, most of these other, uh, can't, in fact, all of them, um, don't really care anything about the American youth. So, Max, why do you think this is going on? What do you think about that poll? Well, you know what? Uh, I think this is going on because the American politicians have sold out. And you know what? It's like it's almost like the United States isn't even a sovereign nation when we're sending all of our weapons and things to Ukraine, to Israel, to all these other countries. They want us to fight their wars. And you know what? I'm not down for that because I'd rather spend my energy defending my family. And they don't, that's the last thing they want. The last thing they want is me to use or any man in America to use their masculine energy to defend their family. Instead, they want them to go out and, and fight these wars. You know, I mean, they will literally, uh, uh, pin them down to the ground, change their uh, identity completely, and then they'll be fighting these wars. I mean, they're being funded by bankers. Both sides on this issue are being funded from the same source. And so it's just this evil that, you know, I I'm not going to participate in it. And to expect me to take a side is absolutely like ludicrous. And um, there are so many Americans who just don't want to just share an opinion right off the bat. They want to consume the information first and develop an educated opinion. And then you have these people saying, well, you're anti-Semitic if you don't develop an opinion. I'm not one of those people who's going to allow myself to be labeled anti-Semitic or be bullied into supporting Israel or be bullied into supporting Zionism, especially after their humans, human rights violations, which the UN has cited them on for killing all these Palestinians. I just don't believe it's right. So, Max, uh Maybe we should have, you know, I think we want to focus a conversation on why the youth are supporting our campaign. Sure. Um, so why don't you tell people how you came across our campaign, you know, how old you are, and perhaps even talk about um, you're out in California, what you've seen with people trying to recruit young people to go fight. 
Yeah, well, I'm 18 years old. And the reason why um, I support Dr. Shiva over these other candidates is because these other these other candidates, I mean, they're just a bunch of shills, you know, you have Biden, who would make for a perfect incumbent president, because he's, you know, getting this war out. But I do think that the swarm is trying to sort of like break this cycle. To me, it looks like just a bunch of theater between, you know, Vivek and then also RFK, who's not really anti-pharma like people think. And then also Donald Trump, who they're trying to prop up as a savior. And, you know, I just know all these people are fakers. And so to get the young people involved is really important for me because it's like you've said before, Dr. Shiva, that voting for these people and supporting these people is only killing young, younger people, especially with the fact that our life expectancies have gone down. And instead of focusing on domestic issues, like how we can increase the life expectancies of younger people, they're focusing on these overseas wars. Israel is 6,000 miles away from us, at least in California, and we're still sending things you know, over there. We're still sending weapons and Quite frankly, Dr. Shiva, we're supporting the wrong group of people because, I mean, they have been killing Palestinians for years on end, uh, which, you know, isn't a good thing. I mean, uh, if Jews even just read their Torah, they would know that killing, you know, foreigners is not something that God is even happy with. So just to support that as an ideology or to support that group that's doing that just makes no sense to me. Yeah. One of the tweets I put out, Max, was saying that, you know, the uh, swarm, as we call them, uh, the, the global multiracial elites, yeah, um, they love killing children. They're killing children. You know, 50 percent of the people killed, nearly 9000 people have been killed. Twenty five thousand people have been injured right now in Palestine. And half of those people are women and children. So that's in Palestine. So if they're fine butchering children in Palestine, um, they're out also fine butchering people right in the United States. And for that matter, so this graph, um, if everyone goes to shivaforpresident.com, they go to the download section, everyone should go get this flyer. You can print it out and you can use it to educate people. But what this <laughs> flyer shows right here um, is that it's, it's a graph that comes out of one of the largest insurance companies in the world. It's not something I made up. But because of the policies of the 1960s started by John F. Kennedy, who was a warmonger himself, right. um, uh, those policies starting in 1980 kicked in and you can see the American life expectancy is going down. So if you have a child today, your child is gonna live shorter than you, okay? Shorter than probably over here, 19, um, you know, the mid nineties. And this is brought to you by the swarm. So the same people that are killing children in Palestine are essentially killing children at home. So this, um, flyer everyone should go get you can understand what's going on why you know my run for the president is the only one that is demanding a systems overhaul and why we need to build a bottoms up movement but more importantly everyone can understand what the swarm is the swarm is not any one individual it's not quote unquote the jews it's not quote unquote one person it's a multi racial group of people so it's hard whenever people try to say oh this is Mm -hmm. the, you know, the reptiles in England are the one that's doing it or this person. that person. <laughs> It's it's a um, it's a much more scientific engineering understanding of this. And the right side of this flyer explains how we get ourselves out of it. So um, let me go back right. to this. 
Well, you know what, Shiva, the swarm is just one big family tree. That's what it is. And as you mentioned, JFK, the big warmonger, got us into uh, Vietnam. And then the problem with this whole war is you have, you know, the pro-lifers, right? These are people that don't believe in killing babies in the womb. They're also they're supporting the killing of innocent people in this uh, foreign nation. And so that's where the hypocrisy lies. And so that's where you, Shiva, you point out the differences or you point out the fact that there aren't really any differences between the left and right. The fact that it's like a false dichotomy and that you're out here. Uh, being a separate candidate because you ran as an independent to begin with no one else did and now you have rfk copycatting you so the fact that you have someone copycatting you is actually a good sign and so that's why you know it's good to have people who are younger rallying behind you sir yeah what's interesting is um a lot of people because of the hard work we've been doing um since 2020 exposing this fool um uh, booby kennedy um, he uses quote unquote RFK as this extending his family lineage and his bloodline. So I don't even want to call him RFK because it's f falling into his, his, his nonsense. But the guy's a Zionist. He's pro big pharma. He wants to create quote unquote safe vaccines using the corrupt infrastructure he rails against, which was created by John F. Kennedy, um, who created the 1962 Vaccination Act. His uncle Ted Kennedy is the one who created the 1986 National Vaccine Injury Program, along with others, which protected Big Pharma. And right. this Booby Kennedy wants to protect Big Pharma by rebranding them as creating safe vaccines. More importantly, what's also come out is there's a very interesting video um, that came out where he's also supporting um, total fascism. Uh, several years ago, he did a video saying that we should, the government should have total control of the grid so we could turn off people's toothbrushes. And that's what he says, turn off their washers and their dryers to promote climate change and control. But he's openly saying that. It's a quite an extraordinary video that yes. everyone um, should be aware of. So it is our campaign and our movement and the, and, and the young people are coming around our campaign. If you go look at social media, they've been taking our lead and exposing Kennedy because it was the Kennedys who love war. The, John F. Kennedy is one who got us into wars, butchering many, many Hispanic kids, black people, poor white kids in Vietnam. No bourgeois wealthy kid. I don't think any bourgeois Zionist kid went to Vietnam and got killed. Okay. It was poor whites, poor blacks, poor brown people, poor probably Native Americans who went and fought an imperialist war for John F. fucking Kennedy. And he was the one who brought Kissinger into the White House. So everyone needs to get over this Kennedy nonsense as though they were some great family. They were an organized crime family. That's who they were. Um, right. And one organized criminal killing another organized criminal. It, it has nothing to do with us. We shouldn't care. As Malcolm X said, the chickens have come home to roost. So we shouldn't care. The other thing someone just put up here, um, we want to correct um, a bunch of important uh, uh, lies here. Hamas was created, first of all, by Israel, okay? Yes. So this guy over here, um, Gary Caffey, saying Hamas needs to be wiped out. Well, Gary, go learn your facts. Since <laughs> the 1980s, it was one of the brigadier generals in the Israeli army, um, and then all the way up to Yossi Cohen, who's the head of Mossad, up until a couple of years ago, who were funding, supporting Hamas. Go look at 2012, The Economist article. There's a picture of hand gliders of Hamas flying over Israel and dropping bombs. That's in 2012. 
So first of all, people need to get their head out of their ass, particularly American working people who are into this Christian Zionism, which we should talk about, because they're because it is if when you look at this data, uh, Max, let me bring this up again. Sure. This data we need to look at again because we started with this, um, and this reveals pretty much everything what what this country has become. Okay, if you look at this um, data, a democracy is supposed to be the will of the majority. That's what yeah. it's supposed to. Be. And we have to really ask yours. Um, here we go. Okay. So what do we see here? 52%. So this is basically, they asked people regarding the situation with Israel and Hamas, which of these should the U.S. do or not to do, which means send weapons and supplies to Israel. Okay. 48%, which means a majority, 52%. And this is a pretty good sample size. It's a very large sample size when you look at statistically, said, no, no weapons to Israel. But the youth under 30, nearly 60%, 59%. And 30 to 30, 44, 64%. And even among the 45 to 64, close to 50%. All right. So, but this is a number right here that we need to really think about this 59% of your age group. Why do you think your age group, um, Max, doesn't want to send weapons um, to Israel? Well, you know, my theory has been that, you know, the whole uh, supporting Palestine tends to be uh, more common among left-leaning politics and younger people tend to be more left-leaning rather than right-leaning. And so when when you have, you know, Democrat or more progressive Democrats, obviously, right, the mainstream Democrats are supporting Israel through and throughout, but the pro very progressive far left are not supporting Israel, they're supporting Palestine. And I think my generation happens to be a lot, uh, part of a lot of that, especially, you know, going to college or going to these universities and institutions that tend to align more with that ideology, that that would be why, but also, you know, our moral compass to some degree. Um, we understand that killing innocents is wrong, at least in, you know, in other countries. I mean, I know uh, back in 2003, a lot of younger people were against the invasion uh, of Iraq over the so-called WMDs. So it's it's all about having a moral compass. And and well, and well, let's let's we let's look at that. So one is the liberals, but if you look over here, these are people with no education, which this this does not include. Typically, the liberals are the ones who go get educated. If you look here, 53 percent of whites with no degree, which are working class whites, are against this also. Okay. See, that's right. And you know what? You know, that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, that is very interesting because, you know, the, the, the education institutions themselves, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not Zionist. They are Zionist by, by, by all means. I mean, you have Harvard University blacklisting students, all these presidents of universities and whatnot. Um, my, I guess the point that I'm making is that these professors, the professors that teach are more left-leaning and the youth that they're catering to tend to support Palestine as a result of those more left-leaning politics. It's, and then obviously now you have the universities. Once the Israel issue really becomes a super big thing again, that's when they have a problem with those younger people who support Palestine or with the younger people, not even just people who support Palestine, but just people who don't support the, you know, the killing of innocents, you know, on either side, you know, they support the working, the average working Jew that's in Israel that has nothing to do with what's going on right now, because even those guys, they have no idea what's going on, you know, and with regards to Bobby, you know, the reason why all these guys are supporting the Zionist ideology is because that is their pathway to president. You can't really it's you can't really become you know president unless you're like super supportive of the Zionist ideology. And that's the way that it's always been. 
And, you know, um, one thing that also Bobby said, which was really concerning, he was asked about the Second Amendment. He was asked, you know, if they were to pass an assault weapons ban in Congress, would he sign it? And he said, yes. So Bobby, on a number of levels, is for restricting the freedoms of people. And this is both on a level of choosing what kind of vaccines they want to take. And this is also has to do with, you know, what kind of gun people want to own or possess. And Dick Heller versus um, Dick Heller versus District of Columbia made it very clear that these you know, you know, that the Armalite weapons do fall under Second Amendment rights. So these people, it's not just one right or two rights or three rights that they hate. They hate all of our rights. It's, you know, it's, and then the First Amendment, I, I have no doubts that there will be attacks on that. They'll be passing anti-Semite speech laws like Trump signed one before he left office. And Ron DeSantis signed one as Florida governor. These, these anti-speech laws that don't allow people to use certain forms of rhetoric on college campuses. So they will be doing this, Dr. Shiva, as time goes on. Yeah. So, hey, John, could you just join us too? Thanks. Um, so we're gonna have John Medlar join us because John's, um, sure. John just turned, he's close to 30. Um, and I think um, it'd be valuable to get John's perspective because, um, uh, John, are you there? Yes, sir. John, why don't, you, why don't you give your perspective? Because let me just bring up again this, um, graph here, John. You're right in that you just turned 30, right, John? Uh, I'm turning 30 this month. I haven't turned 30 okay, so, yet. So you're yeah. right in that group, under 30, John, the 59%. Uh, yep. Um, so I want you to look at that number, John and Max, the 59% under 30. And then mm. this is a very important number because this smashes the theory it's only white liberals, okay? Mm -hmm. um, these are working class whites of all different, you know, you know, probably lower economic strata, which is 53%, um, because it's typically seen that to be pro-Israel is a is a liberal issue, but you're finding that it's hitting the broad mass of white people, John. You're sort of right here, John. You're that 53%, John, okay? Yeah. Um, and so what do you think, John? Why do, why, do, why do youth support our campaign and do not want to support Zionism and send weapons to Israel? Uh, well, one interesting... Uh, part that you mentioned was the working class, working class whites. Like if I if I talk about like say young working class whites specifically, a, a lot of them just a, lo a lot of us just grew up basically watching how Israel just doesn't act. The, the politicians always say like, oh, Israel's our greatest ally, is our greatest ally. But then you look at how they talk about us, how they you know treat us and stuff like that. They they don't treat us like an ally. Sim no. sim simply as that. Um, uh, like, and that's, that's not even looking back very far. Of course, there's people that'll look back to like, who will look back the broad history of things like, oh, the USS Liberty and stuff like that. But even, even just within recent memory, they, they, they basically treat us like a disposable ally. Like they, like that, they just use us as a piggy bank. When is, uh -huh. when is it like we, we constantly, we constantly talk about, um, uh, you know, like, oh. Our politicians are constantly like, "Oh, we have to defend Israel at all costs. We have to like, we have to do everything for Israel." When the heck have I have, have any? I've never seen any Israeli politicians be like, "We have to stand by the United States." I've, I've, it just, I maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe there's some clip of that exists, but you don't, I don't see it. Well, you know what? Good point. Good points, John. You know, I tell you this: if you're a Christian missionary and you go to Israel, chances are you're getting spit on. Trying oh, to yeah, spread no, your they'll, Christian, they'll... trying to spread your Christian uh, gospel, your Christian dogma, your Christian ideas. They hate it over there. 
And so to say, you know, we're going to support Israel, you know, just from the Bible just makes no sense. The only time that Israel is referenced as a piece of land is in Matthew chapter two and verse 20. The other 2,506 times it's referenced as a people. So people just need to get their, you know, their stuff together and actually read and study and do the appropriate things necessary to, you know, understand this whole issue. How many uh, people that you know, uh, uh, and then we'll go over to Max, John, uh, John, how many people that you know, John, are in the military um, wanting to fight for Israel, John? The people, people that I know that are in the military or that have served in the military, nobody's really gung-ho about fighting for Israel. Like, they, they're all like, oh, shit, great, we have to go. Like, Because um, uh, there, there's a certain amount, of, from my veteran friends, there's a certain amount of, respect for israel as like the idf is a formidable force and some of these guys have like will have trained with the idf and so will respect their their prowess as a as a force but don't really see them as friendly so to speak like they're uh -huh. again they're not they're not eager to they're not eager to you know put their lives on the line for the idf they're like well the idf's good enough that they can handle themselves max how many of your friends are in the military your age group in my age group i don't have any friends that are in the military or connected to the military uh -huh. uh, do you know any of them who want to join the military to go fight uh, uh on the behalf of israel to to against palestine no and, and look i'd say a lot of my generation doesn't want to fight it because i've been seeing TikToks that people have been making like screw this draft i don't want to fight it it just doesn't make sense like let me live my life and i think obviously it comes more it, it, it some of it comes more from a sense of entitlement but others are like no this is a bs war i'm not fighting it there's no way and me it's like i'd go to jail before fighting this 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 darn war i mean seriously i mean they, yeah, they could so, do whatever so they let, let, yeah let's make this a little bit real here so you know uh no friends who want to go fight this war, right, Max? No, no, no friends that want to fight you, this war. John, so, so Max, how old are you? 18. Okay, so you're 18, so you're in that zero to 30. John, you're you're about to turn 30, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. All right, so you guys are in that perfect age group. So when you look at all the other presidential candidates, Nikki Haley basically said we should level Gaza. Yeah. Um, uh, booby, and we should call him Booby. You know, this Bobby nonsense is no one fucking knows him. Bobby's like, you fucking know this guy. No one knows him. It's just bullshit branding that they're doing. Booby fucking Kennedy, um, right on, I did a post that I have ready. I literally looked at exactly what all of these other presidential candidates said on October 7th and 8th. Booby Kennedy said this ignominious group of people, we should go defend Israel, basically go wipe them all out. Okay, that was Booby fucking Kennedy. Um, Vivek the Snake said the same thing. Trump said, you know, these are savages, right? Savages. Uh, Nikki Haley said we should wipe them all out. DeSantis said we should wipe them all out. Um, so when you look at all those people and you intersect that with that 62% number, with the fact no one you know, except John, you have people in the military, but they're only doing because they have to, right? The, um, yeah, most of the, uh, I'd say most of the people I know are out at this point. What do you mean now? Know. Oh, they're out of the military. I'm not sure I know anybody who's currently in. Come to think of okay. it. Okay. Right. And um, so if you go look at that fact, um, and the United States is supposed to be a democracy, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you reconcile this uh, data here, which is showing that 
the majority of American people do not want to send weapons to Israel. 60 plus percent of the youth, nearly 60% of the youth or 62% um, of people or nearly 45 don't want to send weapons to Israel. How do you reconcile with the fact that in the last, I don't know, week after this Zionist hoodlum, um, I don't even want to use the word Christian, uh, Mike Johnson got in, he passed a proclamation mm -hmm. that we should all support Israel. And then the other proclamation that they passed in the middle of the night, 48 hours ago, was we should by all, quote unquote, all means necessary, all means necessary, support Israel to basically, or anyone to take out Iran if Iran gets a nuclear weapon. Right. So tell me what you guys think about um, this data here, what the people want and what every other presidential candidate wants um, and relative to our campaign. Go ahead, Max, and then we'll go to John. Well, you know what? These people might not, you know, understand the fact that the people of Israel have been scattered since 70 AD and that you can only trace genealogy up to Jesus. But this is just genius. I mean, the fact that they understand that, you know, maybe we've had past wars or past wars on terrors, that, uh, wars on terror that never even went well. The first war on terror, it's, a, it's already cost the United States government over six trillion dollars. And you know what's happening? These wars that we get in, we go into tons of debt and that debt, what happens is it accrues interest. So the American people do not support the the interest that's being accrued on that debt. This means more taxes. This means higher higher burdens on you know later generations. And then this whole thing uh, with Iran, it could be the same situation that we had in Iraq. Some alleged intelligence uh, failure. You know that um, I, I say alleged because obviously I don't think it was an intelligence failure. I think we knew that there weren't weapons in Iraq. Just like we knew that, just like we knew that Hamas was going to attack Israel before they even attacked Israel. This is another false claim where they're saying we didn't know. So the American people are smart enough to realize that their little TV programming in their home is lying to them. These politicians, they're lying to them. And just so many of these actors that they're putting forward, this swarm, that they are being lied to by every single one of those guys. I mean, I personally didn't buy it in the beginning because it was, again, the false dichotomy that George W. Bush used back when he was president is either you're with us or you're with the terrorists. You have to pick a side. You have to be with the United States military industrial complex or you have to be with this, these Arab terrorists that we created. <laughs> it's, seriously, it's comical. Yeah, so, so we have another fool over here. Uh, and that's what we should call these people. Shiva won't be on the ballot. Okay. So these are the people um, who are the same people. A fool like this is the same fool um, who has been supporting the lesser of two evils. Right. So I just want to point this out. This same, um, frankly, an idiot. All right. Um, is the one who has resulted in this to kill children, because as our poster says, a lesser of two evils. So this fool who has no sense of doing anything new, no sense of working hard, uh, doesn't understand this lesser of two evils and sitting on your fat ass and not doing anything is what's gotten that the fact that your child, if you have a child, is going to live shorter than you. So there is no choice, but we need a systems overhaul and we have to build a bottoms up movement. And that's why to everyone listening, you should go to Shiva for president and you can all volunteer Notice throughout this conversation, I haven't said, give me money, give me money, give me money. Every other freaking politician asks you for money. We're asking for you to get off your butts and do something. And one of the things you can do is in every state, every candidate has to get on the ballot. And in order to get on the ballot, you have to go collect signatures to put us on the ballot. It takes work. All the other candidates, Max and John, you know this, 
they basically have they hire people they take donation money and i don't know if you guys know this but they hire people to get them on the ballot which is a which should be illegal so all these other candidates don't even have any volunteers we have 300,000 volunteers now all over the world and in the united states so to this fool brad boyd um everyone needs to um, slap him upside the head a few times you know not physically but um, intellectually <laughs> yeah. um, let him know that on the ground we have in every state we have leaders who are going to collect signatures the all the other presidential candidates go take donation money and they go hire these consultants to go collect signatures they don't even collect signatures so brad boyd the issue is are you what are you going to do are you going to sit on your fat ass at home and simply vote for one of the zionist hoodlums that's really the question yeah so um john you've had um uh, uh max have you collected signatures to get someone on the ballot before no i haven't but i have urged like for example we had the recall of governor newsom on in, yep. in california that was going to be on the ballot and i urged parents and people around me family members friends to be signing that so you know if there's a petition that goes around that i feel like is as a relates to a significant political issue uh here in california or even something you know with the united states of america i will get people to sign it yeah we have a uh, jewel manker he says great evening from fairfield uh, California. Um, so if you really look, John, you uh, collected signatures, right? Yeah, we did. We've been, we've done this process twice. And we were, if, I think we were on the ballot first before any other candidate both times. Yes. So to this fool who thinks we can't get on the ballot in Massachusetts during COVID, when you were only, when we had to collect 20,000 signatures, we collected nearly 30,000. Our The opposition candidate we're running against begged and pleaded, went to the courts using COVID as an excuse and, and got it changed. So you only had to collect 5,000 signatures. Okay. So, um, everyone out there listening to this young people go to Shiva for president, sign up to be a volunteer and help us collect signatures on the ground. Okay. You learn a lot by doing this. It's actually, um, unleashing democracy and all those people who want to sit on their ass and say, Oh, you can't get on the ballot. Oh, independence can't win blah 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 well you know you should probably leave the united states and probably go um and probably live in israel maybe you know and see if you were if, see if these same people would go fight against the palestinians probably won't you talk a big game yeah so, right it, that is a problem dr shiva and another issue is you know brad i hope you don't think that you know mass surveilling americans is the solution to fighting the so-called terrorists that were created by you know the united states of america we had the patriot act of 2001 which was passed shortly after 9 11 happened and um this this created more mass surveillance of americans i mean this was illegal and you had george w bush signing you know an executive order to get you know the justice department to like essentially gather data on americans without any reason i mean we're talking like warrantless data collection from phones from internet devices i mean from all kinds of different things and you know I, I don't want this to be a repeat of that where people you know see hamas as such a big threat like you know director ray's already saying hamas is the threat hamas is the threat when hamas is already you know the creation of is uh, the creation of israel that then we start passing laws that would then impact the american people and you know the patriot act actually authorized the fbi to conduct warrantless searches on people you know or not even have to get a warrant from a judge so 
the Patriot Act was a disaster. We could have more laws coming our way that are like that, you know, especially with Congress already supporting Israel with not only these two resolutions, but a $14.1 billion foreign aid package where despite the fact, like Dr. Shiva said, that Americans are against sending weapons to Israel, America has already pledged its support to Israel because the Ukraine thing, that money laundering scheme wasn't working out so well anymore. So they had to get it over to Israel. Another thing is Russia and Ukraine had a good working relationship under the previous pre, uh, under the previous leader of Ukraine, and they they got that guy out pretty fast. And then once they got Zelensky in, that's when this war in Russia or this war in Ukraine becomes a huge issue, and they're able to do that. So they will take out leaders that are against war, that are for making peace and and having good relationships with other leaders around them. We, the United States, do that around the world because we are the military arm of the world. Um, John, uh, on, on your side, if you go back to collecting signatures, John, mm -hmm. um, what did you notice, John, when we collected signatures? Cause I want people to understand this. Did you ever notice when we ran for office that anyone else was collecting signatures? I remembered and, and, and just talk to people about the process of what it takes to collect signatures. Right. So in order to, I think, I think you just want to explain to people how signatures work. Right. So in order to get on the ballot, there are these things called nomination forms. It's essentially a glorified petition. And you take a lot of these nomination forms and you have volunteers go out and you tell people like you hang out in front of train stations or grocery stores, wherever people are congregating, wherever there's a lot of foot traffic. And you tell, they tell people, hey, I'd like, can you, would you sign this petition to get someone on the ballot, basically? And, and a lot of people, even if whether or not they support that candidate, a lot of people just do it because in favor of just, you know, more choices more choices on the, on the ballot for people. Um, uh, so, so yeah, that's how, that's how the process works. You get a certain amount of signatures They yeah, you, they have to be registered voters. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, you get a certain amount of signatures you get on the ballot and in, uh, in all of our time gathering signatures for both of the Senate races, I literally only remember one small Republican candidate out gathering basically his own signatures. That was literally it. The, other than us, there was like one small guy running for a local race that was gathering his own signatures. Yes. Yeah, so, so I just want to emphasize this, people. So in the United States for federal elections, typically. So if you go, if you get a ballot, you'll see, OK, let's say John, Shiva and Max are running for some office. OK, in order to get your name put on that ballot, you have to go collect signatures to even get on the ballot. OK, it's called nomination papers. So, for example, in the United States, uh, someone just said we're, they're collecting signatures for us in Florida. So in the United States, for example, you have to collect 130,000 signatures to get Shiva for president on the ballot in Florida. I think in California, it's probably around um, 10,000 signatures. In, um, in um Massachusetts says 10,000. In Vermont, it's 1,000 signatures. In Ohio, it's 5,000. So every state has different number of signatures you need to get, and they have a deadline, okay? So the, the reason they created this process was that they wanted to find out, do people on the ground even want to support you, okay? What the other politicians are doing, and I believe this should be absolutely illegal, is they don't even, I mean, I'll go out collecting signatures. John will collect signatures. Max, you'll be collecting signatures, right? Others. But the average politician who gets funded, they take all the millions of dollars they get. They call up a consulting company. 
And, and these people charge them about a buck to two bucks per signature. Okay. So they're taking campaign financing and they pay a company who goes and collects signatures. So if you want to get 130,000 signatures, you have to spend a quarter of a million dollars. So if you add all that up roughly, let's, let's say on average, it's 20,000 signatures, right? $20,000 times 50 states. They're spending close to a million dollars just collecting signatures and they're paying somebody, which means they have no support. We have, when we got on the ballot in Massachusetts, we did it twice. We collected 30,000 and 30,000 signatures. So the, we are an actual grassroots campaign who actually has support. Mm. And so that's what people need to understand. So when you're going back to this, a very important analysis, I think the key thing is that the, the entire U.S. political structure is not listening um, to the will of the people. And it is young people, predominantly poor people, blacks and whites and brown people, who will go fight these wars for them. But the data is overwhelming. It clearly shows that um, young people between the age of, you know, right in John's target group and your target group, right? 59 to 64, right here, John's almost going to be 30. So he's in that 64%. And 59% of people in your age group, X, or your and John's right now, do not want to send weapons. I mean, this is like data right in front of you. Right. So the question is, um, why is it that um, the politicians believe they can get away with not following the will of the people when it comes to Israel? That's the question. John, and then you, Max. John, why are they getting away with this? And Max, go ahead. John? They do a very, very good job of uh, convincing the silent majority that that, that uh, they essentially create a sense of learned helplessness where the people don't realize that they're in the majority. They have this media space where they're constantly bombarded with propaganda and they're convinced, oh, everyone is totally aligned with this war bullshit. No, I'm asking, no, John, the question is, why are the politicians... Not listening to the, a poll like this. Why are they getting away with voting and passing proclamations to send weapons to Israel when the majority of young people are going to go fight those wars? Sixty percent are against this. The question uh, is, why was, are the politicians? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to answer the second part of your question: is why are they why are they getting away with it? The the, the answer yeah. to the first part of your question is why are they not listening? Because they don't care and they're not dependent on the majority of working people. Right, right, right. Exactly. Explain, explain that, John. What do you mean by that? They, th we don't live in a democracy. We live in a in, in the illusion of democracy. So regardless mm -hmm. of what of whether the majority votes against their agenda, they'll make sure that their agenda happens anyway. And why is that? Because uh, between rigging the elections, uh, controlling the media, it's a combination of many different factors. But the point is, they mm -hmm. their goal is is not serving the people. Their goal is power, profit, control. Yeah. And they will give the illusion of majority support to keep people isolated and not uniting and organizing against them and actually using their majority power. Yeah. yeah. So why no, do you I, think Max, um, these politicians are not following the will of the people? Well, I had a, I had a similar response. The power isn't in, in at least in their eyes, in the hands of the people. It's, it's with the Zionists, with the swarm. It's a, the people can claim their power. They can certainly do things to get certain amounts of power back but 
here's the thing. The swarm has the ultimate power for these guys. So it's like when, you know, the fine, the financiers who are behind both the politicians, the media, the wars and everything the, the financiers are the ones that they need to be in good standing with, not the, the people in general, not the voting people, just the people that are financing their campaigns, their elections and all that. I mean, obviously, I, I think if you were on the floor of Congress, let's say the majority of Americans shared an anti uh, uh, an anti Zionist sentiment. You could have one of these big financiers still give a cyanide pill to one of these people. They're like, OK, we want them gone because, you know, they're not supporting our agenda because they're the real ones that are in power you know not the not the small working class people like uh john said and they certainly do have means and mechanisms by which they can get certain forms of power to uh, back but that's what i'm saying is that it's it's really with the swarm right now because people are blind they're living under an illusion they're living in false reality uh they're they're they've been they've been basically taught to hate their freedoms because a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there don't really care for the U S constitution or, you know, why our founding fathers founded this nation and just really important things like that. So people are asleep. Yeah. So I think, I think there's something even more direct that I think uh, I'm sure you guys know this, but should be articulated very precisely. Sure. Um, is the following. Okay. There's a group called APAC. Okay. This is one of the largest political action committees which has billions of dollars. And you can notice from this um, graphic here that what their logo is, it's the Star of Israel, APAC. APAC is a large, one of the largest political action committees which chooses candidates and it funds them. It, fund, it has actually funded 355 members of Congress, 355 members, okay? That's pretty much a majority of Congress. And if you go to APAC, APAC has a list of all the people that they are uh, promoting as their candidates. And these candidates um, would not exist, <laughs> would not exist without the enormous amount of money or support and funding, you know, media and otherwise that they get from APAC. So there's, um, and if you go here onto APAC's website, they have a list of all their candidates. And there's close to 355 who are uh, and then it lists them. So if you want to know who in Congress is owned <coughs> by the Zionist lobby, you can see that right. here. So, yeah. So I think it's a very direct line is that it takes an, you know, the way people win elections is by getting on media, right? Mm -hmm. And these are all the people. Mike Johnson is right here. He's a current house. He's a Zionist, quote unquote, a Christian Zionist. You can go look at every one of these guys left and right. So this is Republican, Democrat. Republican, Democrat. <clears throat> so the same people who support Debbie Wasserman Schultz are the same people who support Mike Johnson. These people act like they're on the opposite sides. But when it comes to Israel, they're all on the same side. They're on the same team. OK, Mike Rogers. Right. Uh, you can yes. look at all these people left and right. And um, I think young people really need to understand this, that they have no representation because young people can't they don't have a pack to support these people, right? In fact, they would right. support them. So every single one of these people, Marshall Blackburn, right? Look at that, right? Every single one of these people, left and right, are all supported by massive amounts of Zionist dollars. And where did those Zionist dollars come from? Well, they're printed at the Federal Reserve by the same Zionists who send them to their Zionist buddies on Wall Street who make all this money to fund these people. So it's one hand, Catherine Clark. John, you know her, right? She used to 
rent from us down downstairs. Okay. Yep. So here's a Democrat, but think about this. This is a, a white liberal woman Democrat is supported by APAC. And so is this supposedly opposite uh, Christian Zionist um, Mike Johnson, right? So, so all these are Zionists, Christian Zionists, Jewish Zionists, um, non-Jewish Zionists, atheist Zionists. All, you don't have to be um, Jewish to be a Zionist. This is where they no. conflicted Judaism and Zionism. But I just want, I'm just going to scroll through this to see there's 355 people senators and Republicans who are all supported by the biggest Zionist lobby, right? Ted fucking Cruz right there. Okay. Dan Crenshaw, all these people act like they're on the, on opposite sides, but when it comes to Israel, they are one, all these people. Okay. So they're getting billions. When you look at it of dollars for all these people, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, right? Democrat. Okay. All these people are supported by. So I think uh, young people. Are you going need, through the list there, Doctor Shiva? Yeah. We were all we saw was the graphic stand with APEC. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, let me let me go. I'm sorry. Thanks yeah, for talking about that. Let me let me let me. Uh, sorry about that. Let me. Uh, so there's stand with APEC. Let me actually take you guys through this list. Okay. Sure. It's quite uh, it's quite enormous the number of people. Um, here we go. I think this is it. Do you, are you seeing that, John? No, I don't see anything. Oh, okay, there. Okay, there. All right. So let me start this again. Okay. So if you guys didn't see this, um, I think every young person needs to really get clear that everyone that they're putting in Congress who is voting, this is why the dichotomy is there when you go to the poll. All these people were not elected by you. They were elected by Zionists. Okay. The pro-Israel lobby, Mike Johnson, right there. Can you see that, John and Max? He's right up here. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Okay. So he's there. Hakeem Jeffries is here, Democrat from New York. Right. People on the opposite right. sides, okay? Steve Scalise here, Patrick Aguilar, right? Who you think are liberal Democrats. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, a total evil scumbag. Democrat, and here's the other evil scumbag, Mike Johnson. Ken so people Calvert. just understand. Yeah, everyone is being taken for a ride, guys. What I love about this issue about Zionism, it separates the wheat from the chaff. Uh, Booby fucking Kennedy can bullshit you that he's, you know, for anti-war and he's for medical freedom, which he isn't, by the way. He's, he's a warmonger and he, he loves big pharma to, quote unquote, create safe vaccines. But when it comes to Zionism, they all fall in line. Can you, yeah. can you guys see that's the one issue that they're united on. And the way that I've always looked at it is if two sides are joined together on an issue, like it's not really for, it's never for a good thing. You know, last time I saw so much bipartisanship was to ban TikTok, you know, which is a platform that a lot of information, a lot of information is spreading, like at least on the grassroots level. And then they were also expressing their jealousy for the fact that, you know, TikTok has 90 million active American users, whereas the mainstream media doesn't have nearly as many viewers. And so, uh, yeah, that's a big problem. Whenever they come together on the, on certain well, issues. Well, they, the Zionist on. issue is not just an issue, Max, that they're coming together on. It is the issue of our time that they're all united. It's not just an issue. It's a systemic phenomenon. So it's, so that's the point here. It's not an issue. It's not like, oh, we're going to vote for a road and you don't want to give money for infrastructure. It is a systemic part of the swarm. The swarm uses Zionism as a vehicle 
to um, screw over working people all over the world. But you can look at it. This is a, the face of the swarm you guys are seeing here. Every single one of these people are Zionists. So this is not like an issue. It's more that it's beyond an issue. It's like all of these people are on the same freaking team, Max, John. You, you see what I'm saying? They are. Right, they are. Yeah, it, it's not like they're on a, on the same team on, okay, let's um, give, you know, $5 billion more to build some infrastructure, right? Or not build it. This is like foundational. America has been hijacked by Zionists. Kevin McCarthy, right here, you say? He's on the same team, on the same team as Bob Menendez. You know this guy, right? He was just found to... Uh, have been doing massive amounts of criminal activity with the mob in New Jersey. He's under indictment, right. all right? So look at all these people. And I really want everyone to look at this. Right. This, this is not a one issue thing. It's a systemic issue that they're all Zionists. They, they don't care. Here's the thing. They don't care about how criminal or how qualified these people are. All they care is that the person can do the job. That's it. Right. But they would never be getting into office if it was not for the funding that they get from Zionism. So you have to ask, and by the way, anyone who's Jewish and a Zionist in the United States can, can become an Israeli citizen. So a number of these people are also Israeli citizens, okay? Bernie Sanders is an Israeli citizen. I don't know if people knew that. Anthony Blinken, who's our current Secretary of State, right. is an Israeli citizen. The head of the DHS is an Israeli citizen. So um, I think the, the, the key thing that emerges out of this is that Zionists have essentially hijacked, not essentially, have hijacked the United States. And right. so the question I have for you guys is how do you think uh, we change this? John, go ahead, and then we'll go to uh, Max. Well, the only way to change it is to become not no longer dependent on their system. We have to that takes a movement. And what's a movement, John? A movement is literally people moving, collectively taking action. Yep. Um, go ahead, Max. How do you how do you change this? The fact is that you have Zionists who fund the elections, who own congressmen yeah. and senators. Um, well, how do you change this? Well, education is number one, right? Because um, they obviously have to garner some public support. I'm not saying public support is completely irrelevant. Obviously, they use some of their money to garner the public support for not, like you said, the issue, not just an issue, but the issue. So the first thing to do and the, the biggest thing would be to educate people to, you know, to the contrary, because they've been taught that Zionism is an important part of American life, that it, that since America was funded on Judeo-Christian values, right, allegedly, that we then need to support, you know, Israel. And so because people have been taught that growing up and that, you know, pledging allegiance to Israel is also the same as pledging allegiance to America and things like that, that that's why they're at where they're at. So if you were to, you know, move, move the goalposts by, educating them and, and giving them the raw facts and the raw data and not just what they've been showing is culturally important or whatnot, then you can really get people waking up and less and supporting this less and less, you know, because when people are disillusioned, they express their disillusionment, you know, they don't just sit around and um, to get people disillusioned, you have to show them that they've been played for years and, and years on end. I mean, decades because, you know, Israel was created in 1948. So it's been, 
70 years, 75 years, actually. Yeah. I think um, part of that education, Max, and I'm glad you bring that up. I think uh, one of the important things, you know, I will do, you know, my posts online and I'll say, hey, look, um, you know, victory to the Palestinian people, not to any one organization, but victory to the Palestinian people. And some uh, ignorant person will post something like this. I want to show you this. Okay. We'll post something like this back. So some, so I'll show you the original post of this guy. Um, he he uh, posted this up here. Um I said, you know, over, you know, in response to the poll that we're talking about, over 50% of all Americans under 45, um, you know, or 60% under 45 are against sending weapons and military to Israel. So this guy said, you seem to forget the killing, raping, and kidnapping that started this. War is hell, but they didn't start it. So I said, actually, I've not forgotten the killing, raping, and kidnapping that, quote, unquote, started this. Yes, Palestinians <laughs> have been raped and killed since 1948. It appears you have forgotten here are the numbers, okay? So just look at the numbers, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, um, and that, and this is, and this was done a couple of weeks ago, okay? Right. Total, right? So when you look at these numbers, uh, it's quite extraordinary the difference um, between, so this is one educational piece that people people need to be aware of. And you can almost yeah. say, but this is, um, People don't understand this has been going on for a long, and this is only between 2008, okay? Right. Um, so I I wanted, that's one part of the educational process. Um, right. The, well, again, uh, Dr. Shiva, people are complicit in this. I mean, just they're worried about being called anti-Semites, pro-terrorists, you know, but I actually, I actually have an article that says, when did Osama bin Laden work for the CIA in Afghanistan, right? And it, I guess it discusses how uh, Osama bin Laden was receiving funding from the CIA, like right before the Cold War, right? You know, this is, you know, uh, right, right when the Soviet Union was invading Afghanistan. So, Osama bin Laden was, you know, a CIA operative, so to speak, before he, you know, supposedly led, you know, his group Al Qaeda to, you know, blow up the towers, right? And so it's really interesting how, like, the same people that they're accusing us of supporting are the same people that are being funded by the American government that is accusing those people of supporting those groups. So it's just people don't see it, you know? So let me ask uh, you, Max, what would you say to young people right now? What should they do in this upcoming presidential election? What should they do? And we'll go over to John. Yeah. Well, you know what? I would say don't vote along with the false dichotomy. You know, it's it's really, you know, the independent is not tied to a party to begin with. So, you know, the Republican candidate, the Democrat candidate, you know, they'll be getting, you know, whispered in the ear, not by Republican delegates or Democratic delegates, but people who are actually, you know, within the party part that are part of the swarm, that are part of the family tree. Whereas Dr. Shiva is fully independent because he doesn't have people telling him, look, you have to abide by a certain platform or you have to go based off of certain ideals or you have to subscribe to certain ideologies to get the nomination to advance the general election. So Dr. Shiva is not bound by any of those limitations. So it just makes the most sense to support a candidate that is least bound by other people telling them what to do and how to say things and all those all those kinds of things. Um, John, what do you think? To follow up with Max, what, what, what do you what do you want to tell your young people under the age of 30? You know, if you, you know. 
as you as you're headed to become 30 shortly go ahead everybody keeps talking and talking and talking about like organizing and stuff organizing and everything but we're the ones actually doing it actually building an organizational structure actually getting volunteers actually taking concrete actions literally nobody else is doing what we're doing and we're doing it because we have a systems approach so we have the engineering knowledge to actually build a movement dr shiva's discovered the the physics of building a movement and is the first one to actually put it into practice and i've been going throughout my you know young career as an activist and stuff going from like group to group to group and stuff nobody's doing what dr shiva is doing and this organization is doing it's it literally doesn't exist anywhere else so for anybody who keeps like talking about uh, who keeps wanting to think about oh you know when you know when uh, when when shit hits the fan and stuff like that if you're not ready by the time shit hits the fan if you don't have a movement then um uh, then the elites are just going to crush you when shit hits the fan because people are going to be divided and picked off so yeah. that we have to, we're actually building the organization that will allow that will allow us to pull together and come out victoriously from a shit hits the fan scenario. Right, homesteading. Homesteading's a big thing, you know. Uh, getting not just homesteading. Not just homesteading, Max. People need community. Not just like isolated little like. Well, the, right. the different look. The difference is like the difference is between like say Ruby Ridge versus the Bundy standoff. Okay, what like when you actually have yeah, like, people who come, when you actually have people. When people are are isolated, the feds can pick you off, like what yeah. they did with either Ruby Ridge or with like um or with Waco or something like that. But the difference with is like say the Bundy standoff is when you had like tons and tons of people come together, armed, and 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 the feds were like, whoa, there's way too many people here. We can't fuck with all this. Right. That's what you need a movement. Right. And that Absolutely. needs to be done in an organized fashion because then the Bundys went off and then then they tried to occupy. Yeah, I think I think this is the central thing what John's talking about. Look, let's just hold on one second. Here's the bottom line. What's happened to young people's education is people are not learning what took place in the 1800s and 1900s mm -hmm. in this country, that you have to build a movement. So they're learning facts and even people who know certain facts are not putting it to the test on the ground to build a movement. So young people are taught, oh, go run for some city council office, go get your name out there, you know, but they're not at all interested in building a movement and decentralizing yep. it. So this is very, very different than people saying, oh, let's go to a farm, let's do homesteading, let's do homeschooling. I mean, all those things are nice, but they're not about building a movement. They're still where people are being told to isolate themselves. Building a movement is very, very different. Building a movement is you're, individually people are deciding to raise their political consciousness by understanding this dynamic of how the system works and right. the true freedom and health movement is the only force which is educating it's not it's not trivial and sometimes people's egos get in the way of really understanding this and dwelling into it but there is an engineering science to understanding this the elites know this they study it very very carefully so number one you have to study this without the knowledge of this people won't be able to articulate with power and clarity why you need to build a movement. The second thing is the notion of people getting on the ground, which means hard work, which means it's not sexy. Um, it's about doing very, very simple things like handing out a flyer, talking to people locally. And these are the forces that build the movement. And these fundamental things is why if anyone has any rights in the United States today, any rights remaining, it came from these movements. The other thing is, Max, to, to the point of the Patriot Act, um, 
look, the bottom line is social media is completely controlled. Uh, CISA, which was the agency that was put in place on November 16th, 2018 by Trump, signed by Trump, signed by every Zionist hoodlum in Congress unanimously. There is no um, freedom on social media. Elon Musk is part of the government. Anything he says that he's fighting for freedom of speech is just pure window dressing. So what we have is we have social media, which is contr completely controlled by the government. It's, it's done. And, and the reason all these things have occurred is so-called activists have always been compromising. They have been building a movement. Even in the Zionist movement right now, or the anti-Zionist movement, you can see people saying, cease fire now. And it's a lot of liberal Zionists. Cease fire is, and all these slogans matter. It's not cease fire now. It's end the fucking occupation. Ceasefire now means, okay, stop shooting and killing people now, but you can go back later. <laughs> now, stop butchering them, regroup and go shoot. The issue is end the occupation. And end the occupation is a very, very different slogan than ceasefire now. Ceasefire now is what the not-so-obvious establishment wants. Anthony Blinken just went over there to say, okay, let's do a 12-hour ceasefire. So they'll always do these ceasefires. So without the right political training of system science and without the right understanding of why we need to build a movement, you know, the young generation will once again think, oh, I'm going to run for office and, and I'm going to get my name out there and compromise all my ideas, or I'm going to go um, compromise in some way, but not build a movement. And I think this is very, very critical for people to understand as we you know, close on this issue. It's about building a movement. And a movement takes the scientific understanding. It takes the understanding of why you need to go offline and why we need to clearly have this concept of freedom, the need for really good science, truth, and health, physical health and mental health and economic yep. health. Yep, that's actually true. And you know what, John, I was gonna, you know, get you know, get to your point about the Bundy standoff. You know, I'm not telling people go alone into a forest and just go and go in homestead. I'm telling people to build communities, to build communes, because you can you can build communities where you are doing those things while at the same time, like Dr. Shiva is proposing, making change on the political level, but not necessarily being totally reliant on the political system, which is already being corrupted by the swarm. So doing things that the swarm wouldn't like, like growing your food, finding your own water source, it's important, you know, to offer solutions. And I know Dr. Shiva has been doing that and not just, you know, complain about the problems. And Dr. Shiva has mentioned that it's a big problem where people just want to sit, you know, complain about the problems, sit on their butts and not do anything to make a change in the world. Yeah. So one of the things with this is so during the 60s, I have a lot of friends that I know who are, whose parents grew up on communes. OK, they did this stuff and they said 99 percent of all these communes failed. OK, they couldn't get their act together. They never had food, actually. Organizationally, it all failed. What we really need to start thinking about is that over the last hundred years, it is working people who created this infrastructure. And this is very, so this is a very different approach. One says, okay, the system is screwed up. We're gonna go do our own thing, okay? And you see a lot of uh, rich white people go do this, frankly. Okay, rich white bourgeois trust fund kids. Oh, I'm gonna go live out in Utah. I'm gonna go buy a piece of land. I'm gonna go do my own farming. But I would argue that's still escaping the fundamental issue here. So. The alternative, which is the right thing to do, which is much more powerful, is working people need to start a movement and seize the means of production. 
That's what needs because we help build this. So if you look at, you take a company like Amazon, okay? They have, in some incredible ways, they figured out how to get an organic apple from Washington all the way over to Boston, okay? We can figure out how they did that, right? People have created incredible computing infrastructure, right? That on the iPhone, I can speak to anyone halfway around the world. But who owns this infrastructure, Max John? Who owns that? Well, who actually right. put together this infrastructure was friends of mine like Jeremy, who actually put the telephone poles down, who put the fiber optics down. All of this infrastructure that allows us, you and I, to com communicate on this phone right now was done by hardworking people, right? AI, for example, is it good or bad? What's neither good or bad? It's who controls that infrastructure? Facebook, is it good or bad? It depends on who controls it. I would argue that the working people at a certain point need to seize these means of production. And we need to seize them and make sure they're running on behalf of working people because we're the ones who have created. Because the problem with this homesteading model and saying, I'm just going to go find my own farm. I'm going to just go do my own thing. Well, you have chemtrails being dropped from above the sky. You have poison in the air. You can't hide anymore. So that is actually a Band-Aid solution. The only way out of this is to building a powerful movement. So, for example, right now in the anti-Zionist movement, you notice a lot of young people are protesting, right? Um, but none of that's going to change until working people protest, which means the telephone worker, the electrician, the plumber, when they walk off their jobs, that's when it gets very, very interesting. Imagine all the hardware network engineers who are in Wall Street who actually know how to do computing, you know, who work the routers. Suppose they walk off their jobs tomorrow. That's $600 trillion in the economy that can be shut down. So the reality is, this is what I'm talking about, a movement that took place in the 1900s when working people, it wasn't just sort of students being very good, they have idealistic notions, but when a worker, when all the electricians stop going to work, when all the truck drivers stop going to work, when all the Amazon workers stop going to work, that's what political power is. And that's what our movement wants to do. Truth, Freedom, Health is about mobilizing working people not to run away into the woods into Vermont. Homeschooling is interesting, right? But you talk to all the parents who are doing homeschooling. They can't sustain it. It's very difficult because they got to work and they have to do it and they have to take care of their kids. The ultimate reality is all of our tax dollars went to building this infrastructure. It's our infrastructure and we need to seize control of it. But that can only be done with the bottom set movement. Well, Dr. Shiva, do you mind me asking why you believe these communes failed? Yeah, the reason they failed is because they think they can be, so, uh, so there's a fundamental theoretical framework on anarcho-syndicalism, okay, and decentralization. People think decentralization means disorganization and isolation, okay, it's very different. If you look at the human cell, the, humans, the human body has six trillion cells. Every cell is decentralized, but it communicates with every other cell. It's still a whole organism that's interconnected and every phenomenon affects. So a lot of people, so um, a lot of these communes failed. I mean, Burning Man, which has become a bourgeois thing right now. People go out to the desert and hang out. It started off initially as a bunch of hippies, but now it's become a billionaire of that, right? The communes will always fail. Um, throughout history, people try to create these idealistic places, right? Oh, we're going to create our own village, our own smart city, this kind of thing. 
they'll always fail because um, the nature of this is we're living in an interconnected system. So there are people who say, oh, I'm going to go do my own organic food over here. Well, where's your water coming from? Suppose the, I mean, I'll tell you this, we, we have a certification program we run for clean food certified. So it's very hard, for example, to get maple syrup certified. You know why? Someone over here will be growing maple trees and up the valley, someone else is polluting it. All right. So things are interconnected. So the commune model ignores the fact that we live in the 23rd century with airplanes up in the sky with, have, you know, showers and toilets now with very complex interconnected systems. So people are living in a little bit of a la la land. We have to see things as they are. We live in a very 23rd century world right now where the aquifers underneath, the air underneath is all interconnected. The only way out of this is to build a very powerful bottoms up movement and take what is the rights of working people. Amazon, the workers at Amazon should be getting unionized and organized. Jeff Bezos, um, you know, the amount of wealth he's generated on the backs of the American people during the pandemic is quite extraordinary. You know, he, him and Elon Musk became multi, they became number one and two billionaires during the pandemic. That was on the backs of working people. So we need to take a much more um, hard-nosed, aggressive look at this. It's not, it's not going to come down by doing, you can feel good, oh, I'm growing my own tomato here. Okay, feels good, great. I, have my, I support my local farmer, great. These are all good things. Mm -hmm. But the issue is, it's not going to happen on, on any significant scale to help 8 billion people because all these means of production were created by working people. Right. It's it, You're right. It's not going to help 8 billion people if a certain group of people go outside of the world and form a system together where hopefully, like you said, they are communicating to create an effective commune. But unfortunately, those other communes weren't doing that. I know that you've been one to tout not relying on the swarm for really anything, you know, just getting up and creating your own movement. So what, what do you suggest that people rely on in terms of like getting food? Do you, do you suggest that they rely on the supply chain or the food supply? Because yeah, so, yes. that's all controlled by the swarm as well. Yeah. So, so this is why everyone should go watch a swarm video. John, you can put it up on shatterthesworm.com. Look, now we're getting down to reality because we can have all these ideas in our heads. The reality is we live in a world of complex systems. Okay. Complex systems. Um, we live in a world of complex systems right now, okay? And um, the world of complex systems is what delivered the iPhone, okay? Most people who don't have an engineering degree or never studied electronics have no idea of the incredible amount of technology in this little device here. From material science, um, to electrical engineering, to mechanical engineering, um, to uh, all sorts of wonderful things that are quite extraordinary done by very hardworking engineers, optics. Okay. And this is the problem we reside in. Most people, you know, I, if I, I don't, I don't think people should be going getting humanities degrees. Okay. Go get humanities great as a hobby, but you're not going to learn shit in a complex world. If you don't know how to plumbing, electricity, go get a Votech, learn how to make something, you know, artists in some ways know how to make something, but getting these stupid humanities degrees and spending four years of your life on that, what are you getting? That should, you, you, it's like, if you don't know how this iPhone works, if you don't know how a bridge is built, 
if you cannot calculate an integral or a differential equation in the modern world, um, you're basically fucked because you have no understanding of how things work. So that's what's happened. So, but if you look at the iPhone, if you look at your computer, if you look at a skyscraper, if you look at these very complex buildings, they're very complex systems. Next time you take an airplane ride, Max, it's quite extraordinary that we can take off an airplane from point A, fly, you know, 16 hours and land in another country perfectly. That's engineering. And when you, when you think about that, um, as an engineer who's built software, who's created things, you know, who's landscaped, who's mowed, have, I have a great regard for people who make these things. And so that's where we have to get back to. So we live in a world of complex systems. You go online, you do an order. I don't think anyone has any understanding from the time you go on a website and you order something, the amount of things that get triggered and then you get this order delivered to you. It's quite magical, actually, quite phenomenal. The amount of human effort that went into building those software systems to get that delivered. Now, the issue is all in the world of all these complex systems, who owns these systems? Right. Who owns them? Because the same, the same system, yeah. So the same system when you go to Amazon's website that delivers you an Apple, and I'm, let's say, in Boston and it's delivering from Chicago, or from, uh, sorry, from Washington state, that same system could be seized by the working people. And theoretically, I could deliver an apple from a local farmer in my local town. You see what I'm saying? So yes. with a bunch of tweaks, but they don't do that. What Amazon does is they try to find the lowest cost of an apple in Washington to deliver to you. There, there's a local farmer in Gardner, Massachusetts, who's also growing apples. 30 miles away, he could deliver to me, you see? Yep. So this is why, you know, we really need to start thinking in a very practical way that we, the working people, need to build a movement and we need to take back these means of production. So in my view, Twitter, Facebook, Google, it's ours. Working people built it, we should seize it. And every person on the earth should own a percentage of Google and Facebook, okay? It's not nationalization. It's more its owned by the people for the people because our tax dollars built it. After a company becomes a certain size, it should become a public utility, particularly these social media companies. Amazon should become a public utility. And this is a much more direct and deeper recognition of where we're living right now. Social media should be owned by the people because that's why many of the governments, including the United States government, created the Postal Service. Certain things are supposed to be owned by the people, okay? So let me ask you this. So how do you reconcile all this? Like, I'm sure you've probably had people come at you and accuse you of being a communist for using these terms. How do you, how do you respond to that? You know, especially because- Yeah, a lot so we should talk about it. So we should have it. So most people, so again, it's a lack mm -hmm. of the educational system. So mm -hmm. if you look at the fact, sure. the roads in the, uh, let me give you many examples, okay? There's capital C communism and lowercase c communism, okay? Two different communisms, okay? So we have to define, we're not talking about China and Russia. What we are talking about is throughout history, throughout history, um, the air was never owned by people. Trees weren't owned by people. The mm -hmm. land wasn't, you know, in all indigenous cultures, people had great respect for these things. 
there was a concept of private property, like my shirt that I stitched together. This is mine, my jacket, okay? But the concept of saying I own the air has never existed, Max, no. until people said, oh, I get roof rights to watch that building. This started happening after you can own air rights now, okay? Um, the founders of the United States, are they communists because they created the Postal Service, which was a public utility, which said that free speech should equal free reach. That's what they said. The free reach was supposed to equal free reach. So you could send a letter to John for a penny. I could send a letter to you for a penny. That's what the postal service was. It was a public infrastructure. Is right. that communism? Is that communism? No, I wouldn't say okay. it is. Because it was such an essential utility for us to be able to communicate. Right. Just when like having police and, and firefighters and things like that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Now, I would argue the police and firefighters sh should actually be standing militias. People should be police. We should all rotate through firefighters. That was the original spirit of it, right? Yes, yes. Sec the Second Amendment, a, a well-armed, a well well-regulated. Yeah, and so yeah. you shouldn't really have a standing police force. But anyway, but if you take that and you go in the spirit of freedom, um, what should happen is so when something becomes so essential to the public, like sending an email, okay, that should really be under the aegis of the Postal Service. It shouldn't be owned by private companies because the laws of the Postal Service make sure that if I send you a letter, if anyone interferes, it's a 20-year sentence in prison. So there are certain things that should be public utilities. In a place like Sardinia, which is a big island off the coast of Italy, there's this ancient rule that they still follow. 90% of the land is owned by everyone. Everyone gets a little piece of share in the land. So if you look at their coastlines, it's beautifully protected. If you're a farmer and you want to take 20 acres and herd your sheep, it's yours to use, Max. You don't have to pay anyone anything. Mm -hmm. But after you're done, it goes back to the public resource. You see? Yes. yes. So, so this is what we're talking about. There's certain things which are public utilities. Right. So, so yeah, they can, I don't care if they call me communist. If, that, if, if, if saying that I support the Postal Service being able to deliver you a letter for 25 cents or I support great highways and great roads and good forests. Yeah, okay, then I'm a capital C, lowercase c communist, right? But, yeah. um, but then you, you should argue that um, the founders were communists too, okay? Because they wanted to create certain public infrastructure. You would say that the uh, IP infrastructure is communist. But the bottom line is we need to have this broader discussion of uppercase C communism and lowercase c. They're two different. One is people communing together that certain things are for the public good, which they are. And the other right. thing is um, incentivizing people to be creative and entrepreneurial and create, right? Um, so so uh, essentially, you know, these things can be used for good. They can be used for bad because like you said, you can have an apple delivered to you or, you know, um, these people in the swarm can use it to, for their social media giants or whatever. And, and, and especially when it comes to people spreading disinformation, like you look at, you know, the Charlie Kirks and the Ben Shapiro's and all these other people that are sharing all these AI generated videos, um, on Twitter, for example, now called X, you know, when it comes to like Israel, like beheading Palestinians or just all, all these videos, because what they do at the end of the day, is they keep the war going. And Dr. Shiva, if I'm not wrong, I think I saw a video where you were saying that like you believe that the forces behind Israel are satanic. Would I be correct in that assertion? Because I wanna be able to respond to that. Yeah, yeah, so, so before, before we go there, so um, look, um, I think the, the 
the, 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 I think the discussion we were having here was we need to build a bottoms up movement. Okay? Yes. Yes. Let, let's just sort of, let's focus on very practical things here. Sure. Swarm, the establishment has created this left and right. They do not serve people. We've seen the data, right? 60% of people you're in John's age do not want to send weapons to Israel yet. There's unanimous votes in Congress sending weapons to Israel, right? That's essentially what's going on. And the reason we've gotten to that situation is because there's no movement anymore. There's no bottoms up movement with the right political theory until our movement, Truth, Freedom, Health is the only movement on the planet which offers that. So without Truth, Freedom, Health, um, the movement that we've created and enough people mobilizing, darkness is gonna keep happening because they don't want people to build a movement. Now, what is the purpose of a movement? Is a movement just to go out and move like wave flags and um, the goal of a movement is to mobilize the most powerful sections of society, which actually are the ones who are contributing to society. And who are those people? Well, those are the working people, the electrician, right? The yeah, the tradespeople, the mother, right? Who makes sure a child gets a good meal, the um, everyday people are actually getting up, doing work and doing labor. Okay. That's what we need to do. It's just very, very basic stuff here. There's people who work. Max, you, I remember you, you said you work, right? You go work in a. Yes, I do. I, I actually work in a restaurant. Yes. Along with Greg. Right. So you work in a restaurant. John works, you know, as a video person, I get up and I do science. I have to do research. Right. So, and I'm running for office, right? All these other people, booby fucking Kennedy doesn't work. He flies Falcons. Okay. He bangs, <laughs> women. he bangs women all day. Um, you know, 28 women he banged and drove his wife to hang herself. That's what he does. Trump goes bangs prostitutes. Okay. Trump's father gave him $200 million in real estate assets. He drove it to the ground. A fucking moron would have made those assets worth 2 billion. He made it worth negative billion. Okay. This balance sheet. So we need to understand that the elites don't work. This is so simple. Like None of every them. one of those people running for office except me do not work for a living. They steal from people. So mm -hmm. let's get it very clear. They're not working people. I'm a worker, you're a worker, John's a worker, okay? And yeah. everyone on this call works for a living. So those working people need to be mobilized, okay? Yeah. And that mobilization, when that happens, you can do enormous things. So if today, if our movement was at full gear, we'd say, you know what? Uh, we're not gonna fight the war in Israel for you. You just make a few phone calls and boom, no one shows up to fight in the army. I'm not going to fight, fuck off, okay? No one is manning any of the internet communications in the country. I'm, we're not doing that, okay? People, Amazon workers walk off the job. That's political power, okay? Right. So, Dr. Shiva, you, you were saying about the you were talking about the practicality of, you know, talking about a bottoms up movement. But I think Zionism plays into this whole thing because this is what they're getting paid from is the issue. Like you said, Zionism, what's relatively interesting. And I know, you know, you've called it the star of Israel. Some people call it the star of David. This is on the Israeli flag is um, in Amos chapter five. Uh, this this symbol is associated with idolatry worship, believe it or not. So the people of Israel are told that that symbol is idol worship. And then there's a, in Acts chapter seven, Stephen, who's a disciple of Jesus, Acts chapter 743, has a confrontation with the Sanhedrin. Uh, and he tells them basically that you have taken up the tabernacle of, you know, your God, Ram Fan, you know, the star of your God, Ram Fan. And so this is where this star comes from. 
because it's in the worship of an idol Saturn. So it's very interesting how you bring up like the fact that Israel is being, you know, backed up by satanic forces and how even biblical texts affirm this, that the whole symbol behind Israel is not really a biblical symbol. It's a symbol in worship of another God other than, you know. Well, yeah, I, 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 yeah, look, look, these symbols can be used in all different ways. We can quote all different biblical scripture. The bottom line is, let's look at it right now, okay? Right now you have a guy called Netanyahu, okay? And the entire structure of Israel, which stole land from another group of people, and Netanyahu was going to be indicted. He just go look two weeks ago. There was a 200, 100,000 people protesting against him. Okay. Um, even Israeli Jews don't like him. He was going to be ousted. There was a civil war going place in Israel. And no one wants to talk about this. No media wants to talk about the fact. So they had to put the most evil person, the most right wing yeah. person, yeah. Um, in, is a psychopath. That's what he is to do the bidding of the swarm, which is they need to keep Gaza. They need to eliminate, they need to commit genocide because of the business and imperial interests. That is one of the most strategic ports in the world. And they need to get that. There's 200,000 cubic feet, sorry, 200, sorry, 200 trillion cubic feet of natural gas in the occupied territories, 2 billion barrels of oil, they want to build this sort of a Silk Road equivalent to that area. So what we're after. What's that? It's what we're after as a nation, the United States. And you know what, Dr. Shiva, this is why I say what I say about the Bible is because if people are quoting it the wrong way, like Netanyahu using the prophet Isaiah to justify these people dying, or Ecclesiastes where he says, oh, this is the time for war, you know, then you also need to have people who are studying, you know, the Bible to show that what he's quoting is not accurate. And the way he's quoting it is not accurate. So that's why I believe that that's important. And yeah, my, 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 view is, my view is for every Bible quote that you find, they're going to find another quote. And this, this, and this is what's been going on with religion. Sure, they might. Yeah, this is what's been going on with religious wars. Um, you know, I say tomato, you say tomato. You know, and this is what's been freaking going on. But when we look at the material realities of the fact that that region of the world was created there is no Israel geographically. It's it's it, go no. go look at the ancient Christian text. It was a epiphenomenon, but the fundamental thing is we do know for a fact that that region of the world is one of the most economic, right? Uh, 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 is one of the most economic uh, areas of the world, right? For strategy and Brit Britain and the United States wanted ruckus created there so they could create control and these and they needed to get rid of these palestinians that's it was about strategy military just like iraq uh dick cheney and 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 early george bush said very clearly they wanted to have a military base in iraq that's what the goal of getting rid of saddam hussein was right so we need to start focusing people on these very practical things to unite people because when we start getting into this religious discourse frankly you know, I use the term they're satanic, good and evil, but fundamentally the evil aspect in a very clear way is exhibited in their love of materialism. And that is the strategic military economic interests. And so they create religion to support those interests. So I, that's why we say Zionism is racism in the interests of imperialism, which is an economic force. And that's what we're dealing with right now. The immense amount of trillions of dollars that get created that gets cycled back to organizations like APAC, 
which fund these politicians, which do what is not in the interest of young people. That's what keeps going on. It's a right. vicious cycle. So the amount of money that they're going to make if they end up wiping out all the Palestinians and they end up taking over those $2 trillion of natural gas, cubic feet, those billions of barrels of oil, that's going to immensely, it's just free oil, free gas, free resources. So right. I think to the extent we more fake focus on these strategic military interests, how much money is involved, we can help mobilize more people because one person may know the Bible, another person may not. One person may know the Torah and other people may not. But everyone knows, wow, my paycheck, I just lost my job. I only have $400 in my bank account, you know? And the person with $400 in their bank account, which is what the average American has, is taking 100 and giving that to Donald Trump right now. And another person taking 100 and giving it to Booby Kennedy. So the more we can make this very real to people, how it affects their pocketbooks, what it's doing, it's going to help mobilize people in a much more profound way. Yeah. You, I mean, you are right. There is no state of Israel in the Bible. And then here's the thing with Netanyahu. He, he, he's, he's under criminal indictments. He's, he, he has exactly. criminal indictments. And he was indicted. Or Not was only, indicted. Yeah. He was indicted. He was criminally convicted. And he's back in power. But many Israeli Jews do not want him in power. This, right. he, he created Hamas. Mossad created Hamas. Correct. So using Hamas has been a wonderful way for him to stop getting indicted. You can even look at the recent articles that came out in Fortune and uh, Financial Times. They're all saying no one likes him. Everyone wants him out. So these well, fundamentals need to be... Huh? Yeah, and MSNBC. You just said it. MSNBC affirms that Mossad was created by... Uh, excuse me, that Hamas was created by Israel. You know, this right. isn't just a conspiratorial secret or anything like that. And their economy was in... It's in shambles. I mean, it's been in shambles. Right. And when they Maybe. need a perfect crisis to cover it up... They come up with it just like America came up with COVID when our economy was in crisis. You know, Wall Street was already being artificially uh, artificially boosted by the Fed Reserve printing money prior to the pandemic even happening. So that's how you knew that the economy wasn't in yeah, and, the and greatest and state, you, ever, like they were saying. And if you look at this guy, uh, the uh, Hamas Hezbollah guy, yeah. who gave a supposed talk yesterday, right? It, it was nonsense. It wasn't. It was just garbage right it was an opportunist conversation saying oh yeah we're protecting the front in lebanon we're basically you're saying i'm doing a great job you know and, you know if it wasn't for me you know you know 10 you know 25,000 palestinians got injured but if it wasn't for me 25,500 would have gotten injured that's mm -hmm. all he was saying it was it was it was basically an opportunist discussion because if anyone actually cared about these people right Mm -hmm. The Palestinians and any one of these so-called fighting groups, they would have armed every Palestinian. They would have had popular militias to protect them. Instead, of, they've also created these standing armies. That's what they've done. Right. So, well, then, yeah. Well, and here's the thing, too. You know, the swarm, like I think you've mentioned this, but they they capitalize on every opportunity possible. And that included the bank bailouts back in 2008, the financial crisis where they were pre-qualifying all these people for mortgages. They were telling people to overestimate their income so that they could get pre-qualified for a mortgage that they weren't going to be able, even able to pay off. And so that's where the bank bailouts came in. You know, what happened recently is we had another bank crash 
that people aren't talking about. We, we have another banking crisis where First Republic banks have crashed and even Silicon Valley Bank crashed. And you know what happened with Silicon Valley Bank? They got a bailout right away from the Biden administration because they have all these political elitists that are customers at the bank. So it's like you said, they're a big family tree. They're connected. And if they have interest, whether they have interest in another country, whether they have interest in a banking system, whatever it is that they or stocks, whatever interest that it is, that whatever, whatever it is that they have an interest in, they're all going to benefit off of it at the end of the day. And so that's why we're all here and we're we're talking about this so that we can get other people mobilized so that they can fight this as well, Dr. Shiva. Yeah. So how do you fight? Okay. There are a hundred million ways to fight. Um, and everyone can sort of scatter their resources. Um, so these are the ways people can fight. Number one is that go to truthfreedomhealth.com and understand this dynamic. Um, you can spend your 30 years of your life joining the Democrat party, the Republican party being quote unquote independent, but without understanding these fundamentals of how systems work, you're frankly gonna waste your time. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com become a truth from health warrior scholar. It's the best thing you'll ever done. You'll save yourself 30 years of your lives. Literally, you're gonna wake up when you're 70 and say, shit, why did I do this and this uh, jump here, jump here. Um, but without that, it's basically an electrician trying to do electrical work without never having gone through the 8,000 hours of you know, Votech training or an engineer trying to build a bridge. And that's how simple it is. If you wanna build a movement, you have to understand the dynamics of the movement. Number two, fortunately for people, you know, you know, uh, my decision to run for president is about giving you a practical way to participate in building that movement. There's no way that people like us could get ever get elected without a movement, mm -hmm. right? So it's very critical to understand. We know they cheat. They stole my election in, in the U.S. Senate campaign. Doesn't mean we stop, but we want to be very clear. We're building a movement. My running for presidency is intertwined because it gives everyone an opportunity to take this theory and get on the ground, as John said, go collect signatures, um, go to Shiva for president. And you can do some very practical things right now. You can, it, this may seem very simple um, and it may seem um, somewhat non-sexy, right? But the <laughs> simplest thing people can do is they can go to Shiva for president, do something very simple. You can go get one of these little stickers and you can go to the shop and it's nothing, you know? Um, uh, you probably spend, um, it's five bucks, right? If you want to donate more, that's up to you, but there's no one, we're not begging here for money by any means. Um, but if you go and you'll see, there's a little, um, bumper sticker here. This bumper sticker says that you've made a choice that you listened to this guy, Dr. Shiva and, and, and his podcast with other people. And you're actually making a decision. You're not, you don't want to choose the lesser of two evils. So put this on the back windshield of your car. The other thing, so that's one easy practical thing everyone can do, Max and John. The other thing is go to the free download section and download this flyer. The flyer talks about what's happening to young people in this country, that their lifespan is going to be shorter. Who created this? The same swarm that's butchering children in Palestine is the one that's created this. And that gives you the solution, our campaign, why you should become a truth, freedom, health warrior. And then um, come to our open house every Thursdays at 8 a.m. and 11 p.m. Um, John, maybe you can just put that notice up. We run an open house. So we're doing very practical things here. So come to the open house, get on the ground, collect signatures. And the cool thing about this is in this effort, you will meet other incredible people 
Um, and that's sort of the community. You're, you're, you're meeting a community of other uh, warriors, other people, right? Who are all mobilizing people. You'll learn a lot. Uh, so Thursdays at 11 and 8 p.m. So these are, you know, what people can actually do on the ground and in the air, meaning, but learn. You have to go to truthfreedomhealth.com. Um, learn how to win. Otherwise, we're not going to, without knowledge, you're not going to win. A lot of young people, uh, John, you may want to talk about your educational world as we close off, are taught not to sit down and study anything anymore. They're thinking, oh, I can just have an opinion. I can just say whatever the hell I want. But the concept of sitting, studying, learning a skill is not really fostered anymore. John, I know you went through your educational process. Do you want to share a little bit of that? Um, you know, yeah. it's sort of what you've learned, you know, from a more of a Votech thing working. Yeah. You know, I, I, learning these skills. Yeah. I was provided a, uh, lot of, lot of structure in high school. The problem was, is I was never really taught how to develop my own structure and organize my own time. And so when I went to college, it, frankly, I, I think college was the worst decision I ever made in my life. Um, if I, if I, uh, if I were to do it again, I would just just gone straight to what I ended up doing anyway, which was dropping out of college and then going to Job Corps. I, uh, I learned a lot more from Job Corps than I ever did from college, frankly. Yeah, right. At least from the one, the one thing I liked was my major because my major was in video production, but all the other stuff I just didn't care about at all. And John, in in your world, I just want to focus on this one one second, Max. Sure, sure. This concept of when you want to learn a skill. There's a certain amount of effort you have to put into it without ego. Right. Um, and I remember you telling me this, none of that is fostered anywhere anymore. It's like you just sort of just, it's all easy, right? I remember you. you it's not, um, it's more like you're, you're just jumping through hoops to try to get, the, it's just all about getting the piece of paper at the end. It's about getting the rubber stamp saying that it's getting the stamp of approval from the university saying this person's special, this person knows something and that's your degree. It's not uh -huh. about actually, it's not about actually developing the knowledge. Yeah. Right. Well, what, I, what I've noticed, John, and you, you and I have talked about this in, you know, there was this concept of a, of a master who knew something, the student who had respect this apprentice student model. And in that model, people valued a skill. And I believe, that's sort of been diminished. I think the Votech schools have it. In engineering, you have to have it because if you build something, it doesn't work. It shit falls apart. But by and large, this concept of, hey, there's a set of time that you need to put into something to learn something and absorb something. This respect for knowledge has been sort of forgotten. Absolutely. And, so, and we see this on social media. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry is an influencer, right? Overnight. And the lack of understanding of the dynamics of thing is unfortunate. And that's what we're teaching in our movement. There is a dynamic. There's a deep engineering science to building a movement. And without that core understanding, and the good news is we've made it so people don't have to spend 30 years or 20 years or five years. They can learn it in about a couple months. But without that understanding, it's very, very hard to really build a successful movement. But the elites, you know, they spend a lot of time. George Soros knows system science. Yeah. He, he, sure, he sure does. I mean, if he's funding all these DAs and he's funding Snopes, which tells you what the facts are, what the facts aren't. Yeah, absolutely. 
And here's the thing. Back in the day, kids used to come out of high school with trades. I think we should definitely go back to that time, put trades back in high school. I think that can definitely be part of one of your solutions, Dr. Shiva, is because, you know, kids, I mean, they were more independent, you know, self-sustained, you know, knowing a trade, knowing a skill right out of high school instead of having to go pursue, you know, trade school after the fact. And so you had hardly any people going to college, uh, you know, for a liberal arts degree back when people were graduating high school with these trades. And not only that, but, you know, you know, you had the males were typically the ones graduating school, getting all the way through education and then, you know, providing for their families, providing for their women and for their children. And, you know, I'm more traditional in that sense. I like to be pragmatic and understand that in this economy, perhaps two people are working because it's hard for one person just to work and for another person to be provided for. But I still think it's possible and I still think we can make. things. Well, one, one of the one of the things is what we are teaching people is a trade. Because the ultimate trade of, that governs all of these systems is, is system science now. So the foundation of plumbing, of electricity, of doing anything is systems is, is knowledge engineering systems. So it's a foundational science. People can spend three hundred thousand dollars at MIT to learn it, but what I've done is to make that accessible to anyone. So it's very very important people learn systems knowledge. In fact, many people argue it should be taught even before reading, writing, and arithmetic. So, um, John, I'm going to, uh, I, th I think we've covered pretty much most of it. You know, we can, we'll have a follow-up, but the most important thing, I think the takeaway from this is that, um, your politicians are Zionist hoodlums. They do not represent you. 60% of young people are, are against sending weapons to Israel. Yet 100% of politicians in Congress are voting for sending weapons to Israel. There's a serious <laughs> dichotomy or I'm the only presidential candidate and Max, you, John, and representatives of our movement is the only movement that's anti-Zionist. And we're talking about these issues. So we actually represent the people. Yes. And your politicians do not represent you. Again, 60% of young people are against sending weapons to Israel. 100% of politicians, you know, are loyal to Zionism and they're for sending weapons to Israel. So there's a huge gap here. How is this possible? And the reason this is possible is because Zionism has hijacked our entire political system. And the only way out of it is to build a movement. And John, maybe we'll end with the campaign video, John. Sounds good. So, thanks, Max. Thanks, John. Again, Max is an um, 18 year old, hardworking student and worker out of California. John is uh, 29, hardworking uh, ex-student, okay, um, and worker in Massachusetts. So you're hearing from, you've heard from two uh, under 30-year-olds who do not support Zionism, who are in alignment with not sending weapons to Israel. And yet, politicians, every one of them except myself, uh, are supporting weapons. Any, uh, could we have a, a 30 second closing from you, John and Max? And then John, if you can play the video, cause I have to get on another call. My closing thing would be, um, uh, ultimately everything does come back to building a movement. Um, uh, the religious argument will work with some people. As you've said, Dr. Shiva, the Christians should be challenged to be real Christians. And so in that sense, the, the, the biblical stuff will work with some segments of people. But um, uh, there are other people who are more secularly minded where you're where you're focused, Dr. Shiva, of just going straight to um, uh, straight to the brass tacks of what needs to be done. 
that's ultimately where it has to come back to anyway. Because yes, we can uh, we we can you know um, uh, point out how people are misusing scripture and stuff like that, and we can be very effective at that. And there's a, as I said, repeating myself a little bit, there's a certain amount of people that who that will be very effective with who are religiously minded, but. Ultimately, we can, like you've pointed out, Dr. Shiva, we can go down rabbit holes that way, but it very quickly has to come back to uh, back to the brass tacks of building a movement. Getting on yeah, the, the brass, brass tacks, tacks John. Do you have the cat of nine tails there, John? Yes, yes. Hold on. Right. The, brass, the brass tack of Christianity comes down to this very, very important symbol that John's going to hold up for everyone. Hold on. John's getting it. But the brass tacks of even if you, you know, you can go through every Christian symbol and try to show off to people and you know, and I see a lot of people doing this on our calls, right? On both part sides, you know, I'll have, but the brass tacks to me is this very important instrument that Christ did in the temple. Okay. That cat of nine tails. To me, that's a brass tax where he chased out all the money lenders. So if you want to take one thing from the Bible and which no Christians want to talk about is why Christ beat the hell out of these people out of the temple. (laughs) And that's what we need to do. To me, all the other scriptures don't matter because I find many Christians do not want to talk about Christ taking that whip and kicking the shit out of the people who are abusing people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to me, that's the most, wow. that's where heaven meets earth. When he took up, please hold that up, John. And I think you're going to be offering this as a potential shop item, right? And we need to, we need to find a, we need to find a source for these. Like <laughs> I got one, but we need to, we need to get, we need to get an inventory. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, good. All right. You know, the, the, the merchants were defiling the house of the house of prayer, you know, as Jesus was saying. And so now this land is being defiled as people are being killed, according to Numbers 35. But here's the thing. The Christian theology behind this is really harsh because it's like, oh, well, we want to support the state of Israel because we want the third temple to be built. We want to be raptured ourselves. And then we just want all the Jews to be judged and annihilated by God. You know, the Jews that don't accept Jesus, which if you're going to call me an anti an anti-Semite. OK, that's real anti-Semitism right there is saying, oh, well, I, I you know, I just want God to obliterate all the Jews already so that I can go to heaven and live in paradise and, you know, be in the kingdom forever or whatever that, you know, that's that's really what the theology is if we're being realistic. At the end of the day, these politicians, they care more about the power brokers than they do about the people. So if that's what it takes to support this, keeping that, if, if, be, if staying in power, if that's what it takes, they're going to support this. And then, like you said, Dr. Shiva, it's not the it's not the Jews that are really doing this. It's the Christian Zionists in the United States of America that are doing this who say, well, you know, they believe in escapism theology. Oh, let's just leave Earth today. Let the Jews be judged by God. And then they can all just go to hell kind of a thing, which I think is very harsh. So, yeah. Yes. To everyone listening, write this down. There's 14 million Jews on the planet Earth. There's 70 million, quote unquote, Christian Zionists in America who support uh, Zionism. Okay, so you don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. They're Christian Zionists. There's Arab Zionists. Look at Saudi Arabia, the leaders there. Right. So this is a big Zionism is a political ideology. And that political ideology now runs the United States government and the swarm. And we must shatter the swarm. Thank you, Max. Thanks, John, for your uh, great feedback and sharing stuff as young people and what you guys are experiencing in your viewpoints. Very, very important. Thank you. John, can you just play our end? So we're going to play our campaign video and then John will take us out. Thanks, John. Who would have ever thought I'd be running for president of the United States of America? I was born a low caste untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression and racism. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure, 
I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, a scientist, engineer, entrepreneur and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. I grew up in the working class neighborhoods of New Jersey, playing baseball, mowing lawns, painting houses and coding software. My friends and neighbors are blacks, Italians, Irish, people of all races. As a 14-year-old, I wrote 50,000 lines of software code to create the world's first email system and was awarded the first U.S. copyright for email, recognizing me as its official inventor at a time when copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I did that long before I ever came to MIT, revealing that big innovations can occur anytime, anyplace by anybody. Growing up, I saw politicians dividing us by race and religion in both America and India to have us fighting each other while they remained safe in their gated communities and in their playgrounds of Hollywood, Martha's Vineyard, and Silicon Valley. I'm a fighter. I fought racism and exposed their imperialist wars, fought for workers, and put my life on the line against global corruption. I never wanted to run for political office. All that changed when I saw working Americans as never before being duped by the establishment and the not-so-obvious establishment. Across left and right, we were being sold out and made to forget why we came to America and why America existed. Lawyers, academics, billionaires, celebrities and politicians, elites, Clintons, Kennedys, Bidens, Obamas, Bushes, black and white have hijacked America. They printed trillions for their friends. They delivered crumbling infrastructure, corruption and racism. They transferred trillions to themselves, dividing black and white, fear-mongering and fake science. Lockdowns and censorship, dirty air, food and water, pushing drugs upon us, making us sicker. We've been sold out. One set of rules for them and another for us. We deserve a warrior with a history of courage in putting everything on the line for you, who believes in you, not them, who has created a movement bottoms up for truth, freedom, health. I've exposed their lies at the right time, never waiting until it was popular. I've exposed their false gods who exist to lead you back to them. I've exposed their fake science of lockdowns and masking and provided you solutions to fight them and win and protect your immune system, saving millions. I exposed Fauci, galvanized the fire Fauci campaign when others remained silent. When they stole our election, we sued the government and Twitter in our historic 2020 federal lawsuit, exposing in bare view the government and big tech censorship infrastructure, the unholy alliance between government and social media companies. Where was Elon and his grifters? They stood by the sidelines and did nothing. They did not use their megaphones to help us when it could have made a big difference. Now our movement grows for truth, freedom, health, independent of all of them. Every day millions are learning the science of systems, the knowledge the elites do not want you to have, so you may learn how to think, stand up, and fight, independent of the establishment of left and right and their fake heroes. Now it's time for you to join the movement, to win back America, to win back truth, win back freedom, win back your health. That's why I'm running for President of the United States. This race is about you. This race is about truth, freedom, health versus power, profit, control. We've had enough. They think we'll fall in line and vote again for their lawyers, celebrities, billionaires, and chosen ones from above. We choose our heroes from below, from the rank and file who do what is right at the right time, not when it's convenient and popular. They can never represent us. What America needs is a movement by the working people for the working people who are educated, organized, decentralized, and fight for independence from their systems of control. And that movement exists. It's ready for you. We don't need them. We need us to go bottoms up, neighbor to neighbor. My journey, your journey, are all the same. It's our time. It's time we had one of us. It's time to win back truth, freedom, health to win back America, be part of this historic movement, all the way to our victory on November 5th, 2024. 
If you're an American citizen, pledge your vote now for Dr. Shivaya Duray, the independent candidate for U.S. president. No matter where you live, you can be a part of this. Volunteer as little as 20 minutes a day. Don't delay. This is Dr. Shivaya Duray, and I approve this message paid for by Dr. Shiva for president.